You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. I love our family services. It's a time where we can all be together. You know, so often, we, most often, we segregate and we send the kids one way and the adults in here. So this is a time for us to worship together. Uh, by the way, good morning. How are you today? Good, good. We're so glad you're here. Um, I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to um, Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And um, while you're turning to Hebrews chapter 12, um, I want to just cue you in on um, uh, how the message is going to take place this morning. You've already seen that everything else has been just a little bit different, actually a lot different. So the same is true uh, with the message. Let me begin by saying you're going to hear uh, the message is going to be delivered this morning by nine different speakers. Nine different speakers. I being the first, and I'm do, what I'm doing right now is setting the course for the message. Uh, four of our speakers actually will present by way of video uh, and have done an incredible job. And then the remaining four will be here on the platform uh, presenting live. Now, you might be thinking, nine speakers, we're going to be here all day. Well, that's not the case because everybody's keeping in mind that we have multiple speakers have worked really diligently at making sure that they're very concise on their points. So we're going to get out pretty much a, a normal time. Um, let me uh, get you thinking this way. As one year comes to an end and a new year is about to begin, uh, we've probably all been thinking about what will our new year be like. I know we have, uh, and I, I hope that you have. Well, this morning, uh, we want to encourage you to think in terms of the new year. Think of yourself as a runner and you're running a race. In fact, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. I'm not going to ask you to memorize it. I'm just going to read it to you, okay? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders uh, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for joy set before him and endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considering him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we're all all in a race. Um, uh, our Christian life, our, 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 our faith journey, uh, according to this passage of Scripture, uh, is a race. In this race, the course for this race has been marked out by God for us. Um, this passage tells us we're called to run the race. We're not called to walk the race. We're not called to jog the race. We're called to run the race. And because we're called to run the race, it means we must run aggressively and with intentionality. However, it's important that we understand that this race is not about speed. It's not about how fast we can go, but instead it's about keeping the right pace so that we can run and finish the race well. Every race has a starting line and a finish line, right? And so it's the same with our, our faith journey, uh, our, our, our race in, the, in our Christian journey. The starting line is when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And the finish line is when we physically cease uh, to exist here on the earth. Um, the race is all about how we live. It's how we conduct ourselves between the beginning and the finish line. Um, 
and so it, it's about how are we to conduct our lives? How are we to pace ourselves? What's our behaviors supposed to be like? Um, the others are going to come in just a moment, one at a time. But before they come, let me tell you four things that we need to be aware of, uh, uh, constantly aware of uh, as we run this race. Number one, the race is a race of grace. This race of faith is a, a race of grace. In other words, we don't run the race to win our salvation because our salvation has already been provided by the grace of God. It's because of the grace of God that we're able to be in the race. Number two, the race of faith is a race with hills. Hmm. Listen to this. The same word uh, in Greek that's used for race in Hebrews chapter 12, those verses I read, is the same word that we get our word agony from. What does that tell you? Yeah, think about that. It means that the race is going to have some heels in it. It's not just the promise uh, of an easy life. In James chapter 1, James talks about the fiery trials that we go through. Jesus said, you will have trouble in this life. Number three, the race of faith is a race with rewards. Uh, there is a reward for finishing the race well, uh, there, there are uh, rewards for how we run the race, and those rewards will be given to us in heaven. And number four, the race of faith is a race to a better future. First Corinthians 2.9, it says that we cannot even begin to imagine all the things that God has planned for us, greater than we could even imagine. God has already prepared these things for us. So, um, to help you understand more about this race, what's going to happen is we've called on some of our serious runners in our campus family, and we have some various sinner, uh, sinners. <laughs> You're all sinners. <laughs> uh, somebody raised their hand. Uh, uh, we have some serious runners in our campus family, and those are the ones who are going to come to you by way of video. So we have four points in the message, four remaining points, and each point is going to begin with a video from one of our runners talking about their own experiences in running, literally running a race. And then we're going to have uh, someone come and talk about uh, each point uh, uh, scripturally, uh, spiritually speaking, how we run this uh, faith. And it's just going to be a continuous. And when you, when you leave, you're going to be so ready. You're going to be ready to go and run the race in a way you never have before. But here's what they're going to do. The, the, the serious runners are going to answer questions like, how important is focus when you're running a race? What are some of the sacrifices you have to make to prepare to run races? What are some of the potential walls that you can hit while running a race? And what rhythms or routines help a runner stay engaged in a race? And you're going to see that these parallel our spiritual walk, our spiritual journey, the race that we're called to run. So how do we uh, run to win the race? Well, in order to win the race that God has called us to run, we need to focus on Jesus. My name is Weston Clark. I'm going to be telling you why focus in a race is so important. Because if you don't have focus, then you're running for no purpose. On my first race, I was very nervous and I was afraid. And I actually thought it was going to be kind of easy, but it was not very, it was not easy at all. When I got through like the first mile, 
it started setting in, I started getting tired, and I was like, I want it to be over. But then I thought of when my coach said, you need to set a goal. So I set a goal for that to be the fastest race that I did. Uh, it taught me to focus on a goal, and when it's hard, focus helps me to push myself finish the race. I tell you what, one of my favorite things about what I get to do is seeing students like Wes really being able to just grow in their faith and using their lives to be transparent and really to just preach to us what we need to know, right? You know, Wes, when, before he did that video, him and I were talking and he's like, you know what, even before I started running races, I ran for years. Like, I knew what I was doing. I didn't think it was a big deal. But then we all just heard him say the, the thing that he didn't realize that was going to happen when he was running races was how hard it was going to be and how it was really his focus that allowed him to really kind of take his running to the next level, to really become the runner that he was trying to be, right? So really one of the biggest things about this race of faith and racing in general is our focus. And I think we always have to ask ourselves, what am I focusing on? You know, when I think of focus, the thing that always comes to my mind first is Seinfeld. Does anyone like Seinfeld? Hopefully some people, right. So if you ever ask George Casanza, how do you look focused? He's like, just look angry. Like if you look frustrated, people are gonna think, wow, he's really focused on something important. So he'd be like, oh, it's time for me to go to work. And he would give this face and it's like, oh, we can't mess with him because he's really focused. But what are we all focused on in our lives? Our focus is really the central thing that we're putting all of our attention on. So for Wes, at the beginning of his racing, he wasn't so much focused on the things that were important, but he was focused and paying attention to the distractions in his life. You know, when he was in the middle of the race, when he was first starting out, he was really thinking about, oh, how tired am I getting? How much further do I have to run? This is really getting hard. And he was allowing the distractions to really kind of move his train of thought. But then he said one of the biggest things that happened to him was to be able to hear from his coach, you know what? You need to set a goal to focus on while you're running. You need something to pay attention to that's gonna be actually beneficial to you as a runner. So what did he do? He started looking at, all right, what is my record time gonna be? How fast do I wanna finish this mile? And when he started paying attention to the things that were important, he forgot about the distractions and he was able to become the runner that he wanted to. It didn't change his circumstance. Running was still hard. There were still a lot of miles to be done, but it gave him something important that made the run worthwhile. And the same thing happens in our faith journey. Because as believers, like we said in the point, we all know that the biggest focus in our life, the thing that we can do with our life that's most important is to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. To be in relation with him, to become more like him, to worship him with all of our hearts. But some of the biggest struggles we face is we get caught up in the distractions in our life. You know, we think about the mistakes we make in the past, the, the things that we wish that we could do that we were struggling to do right now, and we end up paying attention to the flaws in our life. But when we do that, we make the mistake to think, oh, I'm in control of what my faith journey is like, and that's not true at all. What we need to remember is that our faith and the way that we grow isn't about what we can do, but it's about what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? And it's about what he continues to do in our lives. So I remember when I was in college and really starting to try to take my, my faith journey seriously, uh, one of the things I wanted to do was read the Bible. But when I first started out, 
I got caught up in the distractions. Like, oh, that means I'm going to have to lose an hour of sleep in the morning. It means I'm going to be tired. It means my roommate's not going to be happy when that light goes on. Um, but I focused on the distractions at first, and it made it really tough to grow in my faith. But once I changed my focus to, oh, I'm not just waking up early. I'm not just losing an hour of sleep. But I'm getting up to spend time with my Lord and Savior. It didn't change the circumstance. It didn't change the struggles I was dealing with. But it gave me something worthwhile to focus on. And when we keep our focus on Jesus, he helps us to understand what are the important things in our life to strive towards and what are the things that are distractions that we need to get rid of. So which brings us to our next point, that if we're going to win this race that God is calling us to run, we also need to confront our idols. I'm Chris McCall, and I've been running this time since 2014. What sacrifices have I had to make in preparing for a race? And those sacrifices include, in the summertime, the main one is getting up early in the morning, very early, to beat the heat. And sometimes in the wintertime, getting up in the cold when you would rather be sitting on the couch drinking coffee. Other sacrifices include um, sacrificing what you eat so that you don't have that chocolate cheesecake when you'd really like it. The other sacrifices, I would say, the main one is sacrificing comfort. Comfort is not good for us, even though it feels good. Pastor Farrell made a statement one time I took as a motivation, and he said, um, God didn't make us to sit soaking sour. And I know he meant that for spiritual reasons, but I took it as a motivation in my brain. Well, good morning. My name is Caitlin Rainey, for those of you who don't know me. And I have been working with our middle school girls on Wednesday nights this past semester. So in the video we just um, watched together, Chris kind of talked about how, you know, there's conscious decisions that we have to make in order to shed the things, you know, that are standing in our way of, you know, being the best runner or, you know, running the race that God's called us to run. And so, you know, just like when he talked about, you know, not eating that chocolate cheesecake when he really wanted it. Um, we oftentimes have to give up some of our comforts um, and confront the idols in our lives. So in Hebrews 12, um, chapter, or Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so in that first verse, it says that in order to run with perseverance, we must throw off the things that hinder us. And for example, our idols. Idolatry is when we put aside what God really wants for us in order to satisfy the cravings or desires that we have that are contrary to what God wants for us. You know, I think when we think of an idol, we often think of, you know, like a gold statue talked about in the Old Testament or Baal or, you know, something similar to that. But oftentimes our idols, you know, lurk in the dark in the places that, you know, we least expect to find them. And so they can take a lot of intentionality and prayer to really discover, you know, where they might be in your life. And so for some of us, that might be turning on Netflix the moment we get home. 
or for other of us, it could be you know placing too much weight on that promotion we've been working towards at work, or maybe for some of us it could even be you know idolizing ourselves or others around us. And although they can look different for each individual, I wanted to take a moment and share with you what God has been teaching me in this season of life. And so I frequently find myself, you know, feeling convicted of um, not spending the time I want to spend with God, with him. You know, with a busy schedule of being a working student, it can be so hard to, you know, find time in the day to sit down and spend it with the Lord. Even though I want to, it can just be difficult to find that time in the day whenever, you know, you see your never-ending list of things to do. And, you know, you have to fit one more thing in and, you know, you tell yourself tomorrow and then tomorrow's just as busy as yesterday was. You know, not everyone has, you know, the same pressures, but maybe for some of you it's, you know, having children to tend to or you're having to work overtime or just whatever your situation looks like. You know, the reality is, is that we're all busy people and in one way or another um, we place the things of this world ahead of um, God and it's idolatry. And so in standing... And it's standing in the way of running the race that God has called us to. So with that being said, we have to seek God intentionally to find where our idols lurk so we can efficiently run the race that God has called us to, which is just to our next point, that in order to win the race that God's called us to run, we have to address the sin. Hi, my name is Doreen McCormick. I have been running since I was in middle school. So um, when racing Ironman or other long distance events, it's really not a matter of if something will go wrong, it's when. Uh, and it may be something, a small blister or a cramp or going off course or the infamous wall that you hit where physically and mentally everything just wants to shut down. So I have learned how important it is to be prepared and to have a plan and most importantly, to be willing to stop and take care of it in that moment. I've learned that if you don't and you try to ignore it or push past it, usually it creates more problems. So it may cost you more time, cause you more pain, or create other problems in the long run. Anybody run to go sign up for a marathon after hearing that? Um, so a pastor told his congregation, next week I plan to preach about the sin of lying. And in order to prepare you for that, I want you to go home and read Mark 17. So the following Sunday, he prepared to deliver, to deliver his sermon. And the pastor said, show of hands, who has read Mark 17? And everybody's hands went up. And the pastor smiled and he said, Mark only has 16 chapters. So I will continue my sermon on the sin of lying. So here I am talking to you about sin. Uh, my name is Abby Nordmark, and I've been a part of Grace Covenant for quite some time. I was a member at Big Grace, which I call the Cornelius Campus, for over 10 years. And then my family and I moved to Lincolnson, and we came to the East Lincoln, and we feel like family here. Um, most sun Sundays, you can find me working with Trish in the kindergarten through second room or third through fifth grade room because kids are my passion. So keep that in mind when I'm talking to all you adults today that I, I enjoy talking to kids. You guys make me a little nervous, but you look good. Um, so let's talk about us. We're all sinners, right? We say things and do things that maybe we regret, we're embarrassed about or ashamed of. And sometimes we try to hide those things from friends, family, and even God. 
Um, like the Samaritan woman at the well in the book of John. This is a woman who is shunned by her community because of her actions, yet she's loved and accepted by God. And in this story, Jesus, he was going on a journey through Samaria and he was tired. So he decides to take a rest um, at Jacob's well. And here walks up the Samaritan woman um, ready to draw water from the well. And although they had never met before, because we know we can't hide anything from Jesus, he knew that the Samaritan woman had had five husbands, and she was currently with a man that was not her husband. And she was like, hmm, this Jewish man knows a lot about me. I think I'll listen to what he has to say. The story doesn't end there, but we can learn a lot from just their encounter. Um, the Samaritan woman went to the well around noon, which is a time when the well was typically deserted. But she was intentional about that because during the biblical times, women went to the well to socialize and probably talk some drama. And she chose not to go then because she was shunned by her, her community. She was um, an outcast and looked down upon her people. She was embarrassed by her sin. Do you think Jesus stopped to rest at the well on that day by coincidence? Of course not. He always has a plan. Um, and although he did not condone or approve of her sin, he was willing to break the law because at that time, Samaritans and Jews did not associate with one another. And he was wanting to offer a relationship um, to heal her. Guys, he was seeking her. He was looking for her. He chose her. And on that day, the Samaritan woman was forgiven and rid of her sins, her embarrassment, her shames, and her failures, and she was able to begin a new life with Christ. Are we not like the woman at the well? I don't know about you, but I can be a hot mess sometimes. And I wonder, how do I deserve God's love and his forgiveness and his acceptance? But the beautiful thing is, God loves all of us, no matter our messiness. You see, he will do the same thing for you and I as he did for the Samaritan woman that day. And my point is, we can't hide from God. We have to confess and repent our sins and desire his forgiveness. You have to want it. Um, when I was preparing for this, I thought about when my dad was teaching me how to swim. And he was in the pool and he had his arms stretched out like this. And he's like, put your toes on the edge of the pool. So I did. He's like, come on, jump in. I was like... I looked around kind of like I'm looking at y'all, and I'm like, that's a big pool. What if he doesn't catch me? What if he is joking and he backs up like we kind of do sometimes with our kids? And he's like, come on, come on. And all I could see was that big pool of water. And finally, he's like, look in my eyes, Abby. You can do it. Just jump. And at that moment, my fear went away, and I jumped in the pool because I believed in my father. So... God is saying to us, the runners in the race, keep your eyes on me. Don't focus on your guilt, your shame. Just jump into my arms and let me love you. In order to win the race, God's called us to run. We have to run with perseverance. My name is Meryl Schweitzer. Um, I have been running uh, since I had my youngest son, so about 10 years. When I'm running a marathon at about mile 18, I start to feel like 
I've been running forever, but yet at the same time, I feel like the finish line is nowhere in sight. During that point into the finish, I have to work super hard to persevere. Um, so I like to um, repeat things in my head, different mantras. Um, one of my favorites is uh, Philippians 4.13 to encourage myself um, that I know that I have the strength to finish. I also like to envision crossing the finish line um, because I know that even though I can't see it at that point, that it's there and I know that the feeling that I'm going to get is going to be indescribable joy and completely worth it once I get there. So she said she got a little tired around mile 18. I don't know about you, when I run a marathon, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've never run a marathon, don't really want to. Uh, um, are there any marathon runners in the room? Raise your hand. Can we give it up for them? That's awesome. Way to go. How many miles is that? How many miles is a marathon? 26 point, wow, you know the points. Okay, awesome. Well, um, I did have to show you guys some pretty awesome things of the two races I've ever run. Um, this is the Savage Race. Anybody ever heard that one? It has obstacles. They put you in mud. There's barbed wire fences. It's a lot of fun. So I brought that big guy. Um, I'm sure Chris McCall has like a ton of medals somewhere. And I brought my turkey trot. Ah, anybody ever participate in a turkey trot? The, the, the day on Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving? So um, what I know about the Charlotte turkey trot is you're seriously trotting like a turkey because there are like 10,000 people trying to run beside you. And one thing that I noticed, um, as there's the, all these people, you don't actually start the race when it's race time. You're like, yeah, let's go. No, you're like walking in the crowd. And at one point, we're finally getting up to running speed and there's like curves and sidewalks and all kinds of things. People are falling over, not because of the sidewalk, because there's so many people. They're being trampled, I'm like, oh my goodness. And but what, what, what was really cool is that they're bringing them up. They, nobody was ever like Lion King trampled. They grabbed the person up and said, are you okay? Okay, let's keep going. And what I know about races and what I love what Abby was saying is that life gets a little messy. It doesn't go as perfect as you have planned. Like I got all these details done. I've done all my planning. It's going to go exactly like this. No, it doesn't. It does not. So you may fall, but keep going. So perseverance. I looked this up to, to really figure out what it meant. And it means being persistent. Do you think of one person when you think of persistent? When I think of persistent, I, only think, I always think of something annoying. <laughs> like a little kid, when they're getting ready to crawl and walk, it, they want to go for the stairs. I don't know why they want to go for the stairs, but they want to go for the stairs. And they're persistent little guys. You put them on the other side of the room thinking that's going to last you a couple of minutes. And before you know it, the little kid is over again, where they should not be. They're persistent because their one focus is to grab those stairs. They have, no why they, they have no idea why they want those stairs. They just want them. What I think happens is at the beginning of the race, we're on point with our focus. We're like, yeah, I got this. Life is good. It's going to be a great day. It's January 1st and I'm in the gym. It's awesome. And I was talking to a personal trainer and he said, you know when people normally give up on like, a, the, you know, it takes 21 days to make a habit. People change it all the time. But I'm going to go with 21. 21 days to make a habit. And he said, you know what day that people give up? 
I'll say, nah, I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to say 18. They've made it 18 days. It's like, no. Second day, people. Second day. People give up. Because they, they've, oh, I missed a day. Like my Bible reading, I've read the Bible in one year. Awesome. I've never done that before. Anybody read the Bible in a year? It's a, it's a lofty goal. It's an awesome thing. Um, and I was tempted a couple times because you miss a day, and then you miss three, three days, and then you, you're like, oh, my goodness. All right, I'm going to be me and Jesus in the Bible all day today because I have some catching up to do. But you know what? We, perseverance, you keep going. You're persistent at it. You get back up off the ground, and you say, I'm going to do this even though I messed up. Even though it didn't go perfectly, I'm going to keep going. So guys, in order to win this race that Jesus has us on, and we all have different ones, right? If you're, if you're an elementary kid, wave at me. Hey, you're still, wait, good job. So your job, you know what it is? Be a good kid to your parents, right? Listen and obey. Be a student. Be great at what you do at school. Be an awesome friend. If you're a student in college, your job is to survive. No, I'm just kidding. You can do it and you can thrive, not just survive. We shouldn't be running off empty because we have Jesus, right? And then if you're a parent, God bless you. Blessings. And if you're a grandparent, you just got it easy, right? Yeah, the retired people, some of you are shaking your heads yes, some say no. <laughs> Depends on what you got yourself into. Um, but here's what I, what I want you to hear today. Hey, guess what? When it talks about what, what um, being persistent is, what pers- perseverance is, it doesn't say perfection. You do not have to be perfect, so just let go of that because it's not going to happen. <laughs> but run the race that God has called you to tomorrow. What do I got to do tomorrow? Oh, I'm going to do that so well because I know that I'm trying. I'm focused, focused on Jesus to live that life that is fully, abundantly more than we could ever ask for. So in order to win the race God has called us to run, we need to, let's see if you remember one, focus on Jesus. We need to confront the idols. We need to address the sin and run with perseverance. You did so good. Guess what I'm going to ask you to do? That memory verse, you got it? All right, let's put it back up there for a second. Do, 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 do. This is a long second. Get it? You got it? All right, take it away. Ready? One, two, let's see if you can do it. Three, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 14. Great job. Give yourself a hand. So this morning, you've memorized scripture. You've learned how to run in case you're thinking about really starting to be a runner this year. And you've learned what it takes to successfully win this spiritual journey that we're in. Um, Are you ready to go out and run a marathon, a spiritual marathon? Because we're not running a sprint. Remember, it's not about speed, but it's about pacing ourselves. And so as you begin to think in the next few days, you have a lot of time to concentrate on the coming year as this year ends. Let me ask you this. What might you need to do differently? What might you need to change in the coming year to be able to win the race that God has called us to run? What might you need to do? What might you need to change? Would you stand? I want to pray for you as you go out of this place today thinking about that very thing. 
Father, um, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for such a wonderful family time together. And Lord, we confess today, we acknowledge that you have set us on a course to run a race marked out by you. And all of our races are a bit differently, yet we're, we're, we're headed toward the same finish line, and, and it's, it's our home in heaven. Lord, as we end this year, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, bring to our mind those things that we need to do differently in the coming year, those things that we need to change, the idols that we need to confront, uh, the areas where we lack perseverance, uh, the sin that we need to confront. Um, help us to focus on you in this coming year. And I pray that as we move into a new year, 2020, that we move in with clarity and that we move in with great power from your Holy Spirit to run and win the race that you called us to run. I pray this for every person. Over the next few days, as we're just pondering this and praying over this, bring to our hearts, bring to our minds those things we need to change. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.